Welcome back to the Everything Property Podcast. I'm your host, David Hamilton, and today we've, we're up to episode number 18. We're talking about all things negative gearing. Now, this is a this is an important one because it's been, um, it's been in and around the press recently, so anything that's current events in terms of the property market, I like to talk about and put together a little podcast episode. Now, I'm back from... I'm back from a week hiatus. Many of you noticed there wasn't a podcast last week and a couple of got in touch to ask why. Now, I was busy taking part in the Gold Coast Marathon last weekend and um, look, I, I would just say this, I, I would highly recommend a marathon as a challenge for those of you that aren't runners. I probably had run 14, 15 Ks, um, the most in my life. And then to run a marathon was definitely an exciting challenge. So I would put put it out there for anyone looking for uh, a challenge to, to run a marathon. There's this thing that they, they talk about. It's called the 30K wall or the 32K walls. And when you hit that distance running, you'll, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, quite a challenge, but it left me absolutely wrecked uh, and in pieces. And I was away for a couple of days. So I thought I'd, I'd have the week off, come back together, reformed and, and back in one piece and, and be in a bit of a better place to put together an episode for you listening. I hated most of it, the training and that kind of stuff but don't ask me why I've signed up. I've already signed up for my for my next one to try improve my time. But anyway, look, today's episode is on negative gearing. Now, it's been floating around in the media, as I said before, and it's kind of a buzzword that's that's used, I feel, by politicians in order to sway votes or, or, or get people to sit on a particular side of the fence. It's also used in the media. We know the media sentiment around the, the, the property market in general, but around negative gearing, it, it seems to be a, a real easy way out for, for the media to, to bash. I think it's an important topic. It's something I'm passionate about and I want to talk about. So full disclosure, look, I am a property investor. So you're probably getting this from the, the property investors side of things. Now, it's, in, it's important to know that today's episode, the views are my own. It's not sort of financial advice. It's not gospel. I don't claim to know everything, but sort of think of this podcast as an explanation through my lens of how I view the world and particularly through negative gearing. So for those of you that are, that have jumped on this podcast and might not know what it means, to, to give you a breakdown in as simple terms as possible, negative gearing is essentially when an asset, in this case a property, does not produce enough income to cover its expenses. So what do I mean by that? I mean that if you buy a house and um, you take in all your expenses, the the interest that you have to pay back the bank in in terms of your repayments, uh, your property manager fees, your maintenance fees, um, maybe the strata involved in that property, all your fees, all your all your maintenance and your ongoing and your running costs, you tally that up and then you offset that with the rent that you get from that property. Now, for example, if to put this into perspective. If your property has $30,000 worth of interests, holding costs, maintenance, property management fees, insurances and all that kind of stuff and you're only getting $20,000 a year in rent, well then your property is minus $10,000 negatively geared. To put it into perspective further, if you're on a $100,000 income, let's just use that for nice round numbers and your property after all the expenses makes a $10,000 loss, what happens with tax time is that when tax time comes, that $10,000 loss is taken off your taxable income. Now, you're saying that your taxable income is now $90,000. You've had $10,000 worth of losses. You take that off your income. Now, 
if you're earning $100,000, you're paying 32.5% tax. So you've paid $32,500 in tax. Now, if your income is now moved back down to $90,000, well, then 32.5% of your $90,000 is only $29,250. So there's a little bit of a difference there. Look, if you if you're lost, just keep following and hear me out. So 32.5% is the tax break at 100000 Now, if you go back down to, to $90,000, you still pay that 32.5% tax rate, for example. That's only 29250 Now, there's a difference between the 32500 and the 29250 of $3,250. So how, how it would work, an investor would then, if when they lodge their tax return, would get a $3,250 tax return. That's essentially it. In a nutshell, that's how it works. Hopefully, if you're buying or owning property, it's not a $10,000 loss. It's either neutrally geared, which means the, the costs and the, the rent equal each other out or about roughly the same amount, or it's positively geared. So that means that the rent coming in is greater than the expenses. In that case, that would mean if it was, say, $10,000 Positively geared, it means your income would go up to $110,000 and you would have to pay your 32.5% tax on $110,000. So that means at the end of the tax year, when you come to do that, you would actually owe the tax man more money because you've only been paying, your your, your employer has only been paying you as if you've got an income of $100,000. So you've only been paying that $32,500 in tax. That's roughly how it works. That's in a nutshell. If you've got any questions uh, or I didn't break that down clear enough, it's clear in my head, but if you didn't, you need me to break that down further or you have any other questions, just let me know. Pop in the comments, pop in the DMs, um, send us a message, ask you any questions you like and I'm happy to I'm happy to help people out. Now, the reason why I don't think it's a good idea to scrap negative gearing, uh, there's a couple. I've got six here uh, in front of me. It's going to be a tidy little episode. I want to go through these six. These are my reasons why I don't think it's a good idea to scrap it. There's pros and cons. There's for and against. I'm simply coming from this from my perspective. Now, the first the first is a funny one. The first, I, I don't think it's going to be scrapped for quite a while because I think the politicians paid, everyone knows, paid quite well. They earn a lot of money and they also earn, they also own some real estate. And I think the majority of those politicians all earning good money. There's a very good chance that, that any investments that they do own are going to be quite expensive and in turn are going to be negatively geared. So I don't think you're going to be very popular amongst the politicians to bring in something and, and people are willing to vote for something going to affect them negatively. I think it's thrown around a bit as a bit of a bluff, but I just think for that reason, it it might take a lot of effort to be able to get through. You've got the Greens coming through and, and pushing it on, on their agenda, but I just don't think that they have enough sway or enough power to, to be able to get something like that through. Now, number two is that I actually think it'll cause rents to rise. Now, hear me out in this. The entire rental market is controlled by property investors. Property investors buy the house and then they rent it out. No owner occupies renting out the house because they're occupying it. So if you were to say, look, no, we're going to scrap negatively gearing. Uh, a lot of a lot of property investors that are out of pocket will then want to sell their houses, which means there's going to be less stock on the market. Less stock on the market to rent means there is a undersupply for the same amount of demand. We're already going th- we're already going through this massive undersupply and housing crisis in in Sydney and in Australia as it is. And if we had more people, if we had less rentals on the market, I, I only see that as a bigger issue. Now, the pro or the the 
good thing about that that some people do argue is that when the property investors are selling, it does open up the door for for people wanting first home buyers and people wanting to purchase their house. That is that is one of the one is positive sides for it. Um, however, I think for the majority of those that are, are renting, they will see the the ramifications. And the fact of the matter is, just just because the properties are for sale, I don't I don't think everyone is in a position to be able to afford to buy, nor do they want to buy, or their 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 lifestyle and their circumstances permit them being able to buy. I myself, I'm very happy with rent vesting, renting in a place where I want to live. It's a good lifestyle and I know I'm definitely in no position anytime soon to be able to buy the property that I want in the location that I live. So some people prefer renting. That's just how it is. Not everyone's going to be, even if all the property investors do sell, not everyone's going to be in a position where they can come up with the money and be able to purchase. Yes, it will create more opportunities, but it doesn't necessarily transfer into more people buying all those houses up for sale. Now, that sort of leads into number three and is that people often forget that the role that property investors play in the market, they're painted. We, we, I say we, being a property investor myself, there's a lot of hate online. The media paints a awful light over property investors for whatever reason. But the, but when you look at the stark reality of it is that everybody that is renting now is renting to a property investor. They pay an absolute massive role in in Australia's housing market. Look, in the year 2020 to 2021, there was around 20% Australians or 2.2 million who owned an investment property. So 2.2 million people in Australia owned investment property. They're the type of people that are helping us out in, in terms of the rental market. So I think combining two and three, it will cause rents to rise. And we, we often forget that property investors play a very vital role in providing rental housing for Australians. Only Australians, but also, which leads into point four, is immigrants. Australia's net overseas migration forecast for 2022 to 2023 is 400,000 people all coming to Australia in the next year. 400,000 people alone are coming over to Australia. Now, where are these people going to live? If this was abolished and the property investors, everyone that was a property investor kicked up a stink and said, no, nah, we're going to sell. There is, there's obviously, I don't have the stats behind it, but it is very unlikely that everyone of those immigrants migrating to Australia are going to be in a position to buy a house straight away. You know, there's more than likely they're going to need rental accommodation, and in the undersupply that we already have, an extra four hundred thousand. I'm 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 gonna take guess and say they it's going to be crucial for there to be excess or more rental stock coming in on the market in the next two three years to be able to take up such large numbers. Now, number five is that if if we're scrapping negative gearing, and a lot of the people that want negative gearing scrapped, question I'd ask for them: if we're scrapping it for properties. Does that mean we're scrapping it for all investing, meaning stocks, shares, all that kind of stuff? Are we also saying that if your share makes a loss, you can't claim that as a deduction? Is that what we're is that what we're going to go out and say? If if so, I think if it's if it's something you're going to scrap for for property, then you're going to have to scrap it for stocks and shares. It's not you can't just pick and choose. It should be for all investments. Number six, the final point I wanted to make about why I don't think it's a good idea to scrap it is because the majority of the people with negative gearing effects aren't even exploiting it. Now, as I said before, the data I have in front of me from ABS is that around 20%, 2.2 million Australians own an investment property. Of that 2.2 million, 72% of people only owned one investment property. 72% only owned one investment property. Now, 0.89 of a percent 
which is only 19,000 people in the whole of Australia, in the 20-odd, in the what are we up to, 26, 28 million people in Australia hold six or more properties, only 19,000 people. How I think this is working is that the majority, that 72% of people that own one investment property, they're your mums and dads. They're, they're not out making millions of dollars every year and even the Australian government's treasury website said that 70% of people claiming negatively geared property have a taxable income of less than $80,000 per year. 70% are claiming negative geared, they're earning less than $80,000 a year. When people are complaining about getting rid of negative gearing and the media paints it in this evil portrait you got to think 70 percent of the people that are that are utilizing negative gearing they're earning 80k or less a year are these the are these rich filthy rich property investors or are these just mum and dads just trying to make ends meet and 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 do their thing above board i i i can't foresee making such a big change abolishing negative gearing because there is 0.89 percent 19,000 people with six or more properties benefiting from this i i i I can't see why you would change this policy because there's 19,000 people benefiting from it when 72 percent of that 2.2 million only own one investment property i think the, the people look at negative gearing the wrong way it's not an investment strategy negative gearing is just an outcome you should not be investing purely on negative gearing it's just an outcome by the end of the year it's just a tax outcome it's a good to have yeah maybe in that example i used earlier you can get that 3200 tax back but at the end of the day you your goal shouldn't be to buy property to negative gear it you only have to look at that example i said earlier where you know one property had a, a, a ten thousand dollar negative gear now if if you've got, if you own 10 10 properties that are all costing you ten thousand dollars a year and you're earning 100 grand, well, then that's not going to make sense, is it? I don't see it as an investment strategy. I see it as a byproduct of, of your investment portfolio uh, and of investing. It's a good to have. It's not essential. And by no means should negatively gearing be the only reason that you purchase a property. So there you have it, guys. They are my top reasons as to why I think negative gearing uh, isn't necessarily a bad thing and that it should probably stay around for the sake of both property investors, renters, and everyone else in the uh, Australian housing scene. Now, there is something I want to leave you with, and it is to the tune of how I started this episode. And if you're listening to this, I want you to challenge yourself. As people say, the comfort zone is where dreams go to die. So I want you to commit to something that's going to make you uncomfortable for an extended amount of time. Challenge yourself, whether it's a new goal, fitness, relationships, public speaking, phone calls, personal appearance, whatever it may be, challenge yourself because when you do and when you get out of your comfort zone, that's where the growing happens.